Coca, su naray, su naray en ti. 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 Hello, hi, welcome to this new episode of the Mango TV podcast. Today we have Zoran Todorovic. We had a beautiful interview with him uh, exactly one year ago in February 2022. And now Zoran is back. Um, instead of reading his bio, because we did that last episode, I will ask Zoran to take uh, one minute to introduce himself. So who are you? <laughs> Who am I? Who are you? <laughs> well, yeah, I am passionate uh, about evolution of human consciousness, and uh, I have been working with evolution of human consciousness through coaching, and specifically evolutionary coaching in the last uh, 25 years. Um, I've been coaching and training and uh, mentoring and guiding people from all around the world, uh, from any business areas to their personal life, personal development, spiritual evolution. And uh, yeah, more or less, that's in a nutshell, you know, what I'm about. Amazing, amazing. You mentioned the word consciousness and, um, you know, I'd love to dig deep on that. But first, um, one thing that came out from the episode from last year, which I think is important, is um, this, uh, how you are able to reconcile and integrate coaching and psychotherapy. Because as we discussed, and people should really listen the first episode um, is that you know you can have if you do coaching without psychotherapy you can become a overachiever neurotic psychopath <laughs> <laughs> maybe and, maybe and if you do the the psychotherapy without the coaching you may become a healed bag of potato on the couch yes so how do you reconcile these two disciplines yeah the the one enforces the other one in the most beautiful way and the what i perceive coaching is that this is an action-oriented process so i think the most important thing in in therapy or in coaching is integration and application of what you kind of understood the insights you have had back into your life so and that's why i believe those uh, two professions or go well together because coaching really enables people to strongly apply and implement everything they've learned from therapy or from coaching back into their life and then the therapy creates insights and awareness of the things that you need to shift and transform so if we don't have them working together then people ex be exactly as you said either contemplating about their life forever and not doing the action necessary to change or doing too much, but not being awakened and aware what they actually need to transform to have a better life. Very, very clear. Yes, mm. very important. Okay, so from last year, I remember I asked you, where does addiction come from? Where does depression come from? Where does fearful state come from? And you said um, that they all come from disconnection. Mm -hmm. So anxiety, um, depression is disconnection from self, and fearful state is a disconnection from, purp from purpose or source. Mm -hmm. So I'm particularly interested now to explore this concept of source um, because, full disclosure, I did a um, holotropic breathwork session. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about this practice? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the godfather of psychedelic assisted uh, psychotherapy, Stan Groff, when they made LSD um, illegal, 
he thought, okay, they're not going to make breathing illegal. And he found that with this <laughs> over-oxygenating your brain for, thir- for three hours with a specific music, mm-hmm. you have a psychedelic experience. You have a mystical experience. And mm-hmm. I, that's what I had. I had a full-on mystical experience, meaning I experienced the presence of God, of divinity. And, and so that, that resuscitated this, um, you know, more than curiosity. It's almost... Uh, I remember you saying last year you said um, you know fearful states is um, is a is a faith issue, mm. and 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 so now I I I would like to to explore that. So let's start from the beginning. So how do you define consciousness? <laughs> That's a very good question. No, but <laughs> I know <laughs> it's <laughs> they call it the hard the hard problem of consciousness in science. But yeah. how you how you see it? Uh, uh, how I define consciousness? It's the the awareness beyond your thought you know so if you think about yourself that you have thinking processes in your mind and a lot of the people identify with themselves through their thinking process so they would say i think therefore i exist so when you move beyond thinking into the space their thoughts do not exist then you tap into the conscious part of yourself which is directly connected to what we call god or the source yes and I would also expand on that consciousness is uh, timeless. It's in ever-present moment. It's in this moment right now, right here. So it doesn't have future, past or present. It's always present. And consciousness is also linked to the our soul, which is the fragment from the conscious awareness that is incarnated in our body. Mm-hmm. Okay, so clearly, looking at the language you're using, you don't believe that... You know, like our secular scientific materialistic science um, believe that consciousness is an epiphenomenon of the brain. You know, we, you know, in in, in, in you know, neurology, neuro, neurobiology, uh, they 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 think that this sense of awareness is is a, is an epiphenomenon of the brain. That 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 um, you know, matter came from mind. That that mm-hmm. that this like three pounds of gray material, mm-hmm. when it reaches a certain amount of complexity, create awareness. Mm-hmm. But from the term you used, you know, you seem to believe the opposite, which is what the mystics and Eastern philosophy and indigenous tribes have been believing for forever, which is the other way around. Mm-hmm. Is that there is a cosmic consciousness, which is before, even maybe before the Big Bang, maybe there is a cosmic consciousness. Um, did you follow the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2022? No. So basically, they give it to these three scientists. Well, it's a Swedish one, and um, I can't remember now exactly, because they proved the quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it, of course, yeah. So so it's crazy. It's like, you know, they proved, they scientifically proven with the criteria of modern science, which is, you know, repeatability and uh, um, that... Two objects separate, maybe one is in China and one is in Ibiza, and by observing on a subatomic level one, you change, it changes on the other side of the planet. So, you know, mainstream media, of course, didn't report that very much. (laughs) But the implication of that is that, you know, the Newtonian Cartesian view of the universe, which is a big, gigantic mechanical clock, And this idea of subject-object, this duality, this separation that I am an observer and I look at the moon and the stars, is basically being proven wrong. 
But so how, yeah, for you is obvious. But so I want to hear from you. How do mm-hmm. you, how you do, how do you reconcile this Nobel Prize into your work? Well, you know, for me, I would, I would take the other, you know, take on it because I'm believer in Tesla technology. You know, I've been following Tesla as a scientist, not only because, you know, he has the same origin like I do, which is Serbian to start with, but also if you look into Tesla's research patents and achievements, he is one of the first um, spiritual scientists, so to say, because he was talking about ether. And he was saying that ether, it's uh, our our mind, and ether, it's also etheric uh, sphere around the planet that is directly connected to our mind and his fascination was that whenever he saw the uh, uh, the, the skies changing or you know f- big storms with the he was always connecting you know those storms with how we feel in, in how we think and how we feel inside the mind so to cut a long tr- story short he was able to prove that it exists and he was able to prove that the consciousness exists beyond ether and that you know our thinking processes are created from the etheric field so basically when we learn how to con- go beyond our mind and connect uh, as i said before beyond our thinking we are the ones who are creating our thoughts and those thoughts are coming from this etheric field and he was able to prove it show it demonstrated you know a lot of his experiments were visible you can check it out and see how he defines the field and now in the science after he passed on they uh, through the einstein's theory of relativity they said that ether doesn't exist which is not true and this is where this whole confusion between science and spirituality starts because uh, modern science has neglected the existence of ether which is something that they don't believe it's there so with this new, you know, accomplishment, Nobel Prize winners and uh, entanglement, they're going back where Tesla was, I think, 120 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake explains it very well. He says, in 1636, Descartes wrote the um, critique of the pure reason, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and basically, he said that, um, you know, he put mind and angel and spirit and all the you know metaphysical experience on a different category. He didn't deny it. He just said it was a different category. And then in the 17th, 18th century, they just thought that, you know, we don't need this category. And so we sort of like take away divinity and the connection with the ether, like um, Tesla calls it, out of the equation. And so we have created this, in the West, this secular materialistic paradigm. Exactly. So... Ultimately, you know, here at Manguti, we try to be like, you know, um, a practical spiritualist, so pragmatic. So how does, how does uh, a connection, first of all, I want to know, how do you develop a connection with source or ether or divinity or divine consciousness or intelligence consciousness? You know, many people don't have not only the connection, but not even the awareness that it might exist. So I want to ask you, how do you become aware of it? How do you connect with it? And how do you cultivate it? 
So from my observation, my experience, you know, to develop the relationship, let's call it God, you know, uh, because God, it's, it's, it encompasses source code, divine essence, uh, ether, everything else. It's a bit loaded word, though. I know, but we can, you know. Sources, I think it's source. a bit politically let's, correct. Let's, let's do source. But I also want to say God because some people believe in God. You know, some people use God instead of source. So but then you can call mo- it any that, way. But yeah. if you say God, it brings the monotheistic idea of the one guy. Yeah, yeah. Which, that, I don't believe in. Yeah, okay, of course. Creation source. So let's creation go creation source. source. Or, or, or cosmic yeah. intelligence. So, yeah, so the one of the stories of, of creation and source and cosmic intelligence is that the source is always evolving and over-changing and over-expanding and developing. And source is creating different uh, situations or different circumstances to experience and explore itself. And one of the games that uh, the, or, or experiences that Source is playing, it's what we call duality consciousness or third dimensional conscious awareness. When you, when we are born out of the Source into this physical body in the form of the soul, but we forget that we are part of it. And the game, it's about remembering, you know, that you're part of it. But literally, if you think about the script of the source is like, what would happen if I was to forget who I am, forget that I'm divine, forget that I'm interconnected with everything, forget that I'm all that is, ever been, has been, and I fragment myself into individual souls, into different human body, and then I begin process of remembering. So my core belief and my investigation research, I believe that that's the case in our situation that we have forgot and we have incarnated in the duality consciousness and then we begin remembering so your question but how spontaneously no but that's that's your question how you know a lot of the people remember when they have hardships you know the, the point of trigger of remembering source is when something tough is happening in the life so let me give you an example when you need I, help yeah when you need help when i was in a situation of, of uh, plane uh, issues and plane was supposed to crash and we had a very difficult situation in emergency landing that was like uh, 10 years ago, everybody in the plane was praying to God and connecting to source. And yeah, I was looking around myself, they're like, please, God, help me. Please, source, help me. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Please, please. But in that instance, immediately, they will reach out to something bigger than themselves. So. For me, that remembering, that awakening always comes from struggle and pain. And this is the reason why a lot of people curate their lives to have struggle and pain and to have discomfort and to have issues that can be relationship, financial, uh, family, uh, physical, whatever the issue we are struggling with. Everybody has something, trauma, you know, previous life trauma. We all have them. And those pain points are there to trigger our conscious awareness in starting to remember and cultivate the relationship with that creator that we call source or God, right? So that's the starting point for everybody. But what about if people don't have a, you know, near that uh, accident like a plane crashing? They will have something in their family. They will have relationship issue. They will have they will have issue with their mother, with their father. They will somebody will abuse them. They will have a tough boss. Everybody, Giancarlo has pain point there is nobody i've coached millions of people not many thousands of people around and even the people who are sorted and they look sorted and they look life is completely amazing they have pain 
Yeah, they do, but I don't think that that is a door to the divine. I, I like my father had difficult moments, and he would never even consider <laughs> that. You know, like even in that plane, yeah. maybe ninety percent were praying, but I'm sure there was some secular materialist that. And that's an extreme case, but yeah, you but know, that's extreme. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, but if you if you take the average Joe, if you take the average human being, yeah, the, the, you ask the question: How do we remember that connection? Yeah. And I'm saying to you that you know, to the audience as well, that we all do when we are in moments of pain and crisis, and we need to reach out to something bigger. Yeah, average but, but I'm person. not convinced. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tough, tough. No, I'm not convinced because yes, possibly. In moment of crisis, you remember God, but then when the crisis is over, you forget. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. If you're ignorant enough, of course. But look how many secular materialists. <laughs> I mean, okay, in Ibiza is pretty much a, a spiritual island, but you know, I spent 25 years in New York, yeah. and, and I know so many secular materialists. Also, can be beautiful people. You yeah. know, they, they are non-spiritual people that help other people all the time, and the spiritual people extremely narcissistic, self-centered. So I don't have moral, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just, you know, since I've been exploring connection with source, I'm, I'm, I'm curious from your point of view, from a coach point of view, from, yeah, yeah. from someone who helps people. Okay, let's, let's take it, let's, let's, let's try a different angle. How does connection with divinity help personal growth? Well, you know, the connection to divinity, it's everything in the personal growth. Because if you understand who you are on the level of the essence, your essential self, which is beyond your personality, which is before your character, before your beliefs, if you understand who you are on the essential level and you connect to that part of yourself, then you can actually grow and evolve. And the entire personal development industry, it's focused towards finding that connection to yourself in order to find connection to others, in order to find connection to the world. So how does it help? It's, it's the beginning point. But the whole, the, whole, the whole coaching industry talks about authentic self, mm -hmm. not necessarily as a connection to divinity, but as a driven or finding your quality, your strength, your uniqueness. I mean, mm. Tony Robbins never mentioned God. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he does. Maybe. He does, he does. Tony Robbins mentions God a lot. I mean, you know, it's just, a, it's just a language, but the meaning behind the language is the same. When you talk about authentic self, when you talk about unique self, when you talk about values, when you talk about what makes you tick, when you talk about your strengths, this is all about your essential self, your, your unique essence. Who are you, again, before you have created your personality, your thoughts, your beliefs, and your ego. So, you know, when you connect to that part, then the evolution starts because you understand, okay, I'm a divine being and I'm here to experience human life. But that passage, I'm not entirely convinced because I totally get it that when you connect with your essential self, that's where your development starts. But what I don't understand is how do you connect your essential self to source, to a, to a cosmogenetic field to this, um, to this, to this idea that on a subatomic level we all connected, and that you know a, 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 a thought here can affect something maybe in the future, in the past, you know, mm. because what you were talking about Tesla and Ether, it's similar to what Bavlasky was talking about the Akashic record, mm -hmm. and and the, and the, and what Sheldrake talks about the morphogenetic field. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like. It's not just essential self. This is, is it just turns on its head 
what we all thought about you know goodwill and and the old time and space construct try again to tell me why the essential self is connected to source <laughs> because it is <laughs> it's something you know intuitively no everybody knows it's not only me everybody knows so listen when you connect to your essential self you have this sensation of interconnectivity you know yeah. connecting to essential self people have this pivotal uh, life experiences again in uh, meditation through breathing through love making through sexual exchange through uh, spending time with their dogs with their family there is being with the kids as well when you look into their eyes you can see their essence you connect to the essential selves into yourself when you connect to your essential self you you feel naturally interconnectivity with everything around you now you, we can be ignorant and you know and forget about it of course but if you are a little bit mindful a little bit present you will begin feeling that you are interconnected with all you know it will be a natural state that will come from that connection to essential self and if we are co if you're able to coach it and cultivate it then you begin growing it and when you grow it you expand it then you begin connected to the how we teach it traditionally it's to the world around you to the universe around you to multiverse around you to the galaxy and so on and so forth and then you get it then you understand that you're interconnected within your individual body of course you feel separation because we're in duality consciousness but you are interconnected it's a feeling it's a feeling it's yeah. a feeling it's it's an empirical it's a it's experiential yes but but then you know there are practices mm -hmm. to make this experience easier to access like meditation like breathing yeah. like you know being aware of the numinous in nature um like yoga like you know waking up and spending time with the sun like sun glazing like being with the full moon like there is a lot of practices that cultivate connection and once again we talked about it in first podcast but i would say in this one the most important thing for our human evolution right now at this step is that cultivating that connection to your essential self which is knowing yourself on the level of essence beyond before your personality and then cultivate the connection through the source through your to your own connection to yourself i think once when we have that a lot of things will disappear and how will people get there you you, you mentioned that some people will naturally get there and some people you know even in a in a hardship and crisis will not go there which is okay you know but i think they're a minority you know i think that if you look around yourself right now with the millennials and generation z and what's going on in the world with the consciousness and spiritual awakening movement a lot of people are connecting in yeah also with the psychedelic re renaissance yes, exactly because there you really feel it so what happens when people take psychedelic what happens when people go to the ceremony they connect to themselves right they find that essence which is beyond before their personality and then they have this pivotal experiences of connecting to energy to seeing source you know whatever the experience takes them to yeah yeah mm. okay but so um let's go back to coaching and personal development and how you're gonna like you know have an empowered and you know living life to your full potential I always feel um at uh, um attention no I mean it's 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 an erroneous feeling because you know you told in the last episode that it's a dance between radical acceptance and personal growth but the what I'm trying to say is that um 
once you have this understanding of source, um, how do you integrate source in your in your? Um, okay, a typical example is um, you know this deal is not coming through. Trust the universe is not time, or move your ass and call the partners and make it happen. So how do you reconcile abandoning to a mystic design or push as much as you can for things to happen? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Of course, of course. So the beautiful thing that, that coaching offers is the space for people to feel how they feel, for them to hear how they think and for them to choose how they're going to act. And in those two examples, you know, things are happening badly. Do I just uh, apply spiritual principle of, or timing is not right? So I need to practice patience and wait for things to happen. Or do I push patience aside and just persevere and move on and kind of keep on moving through that situation? So the answer is not always straightforward. You know, within the coaching conversation, the right choice will appear based on the situation in the moment right now. So. Sometimes when you really sit with the situation and you really connect and, and you really feel and you really give it the space, stillness and silence, you would know from inside out again, from the source, from the essential self, if this is the question of timing, that how the constellation around that project is working, the people, the, the relationship, the movement, the documentation, the, whatever it's going on need certain time to follow through in order for anybody to act so you simply need to sit still or it's stuck and then you need to activate and you need to start persevering pushing and hustling so to say in order to make it happen but it will that feeling will come from that deeper knowing that we call intuition but so elaborate a little bit on um, staying still so so someone is um Someone is, you know, I went through that very recently about, you know, selling an apartment at a certain price at a certain moment. Mm -hmm. And and is it right? Is it wrong? Could I wait? Da, da, da. So you stay still. What is the practice to find, you know, like the wisdom of your body or the wisdom of, of source mm -hmm. that might be connected and the same thing? How do you find valuable information? Okay. The most important thing is our ability to quiet the thoughts so stillness for me means that we, we sit together right now we connect to our breath and we feel our breath and we consciously breathe so we don't breathe like just like that subconsciously we consciously breathe when we consciously breathe then we get in relationship with our thoughts and we be begin observing what we're thinking and usually the busy minds you know busy thoughts right we think about this think about that think about this so through the breathing, the most important thing is stilling the thoughts. Once when the thoughts are still, and as we call them in uh, traditional Taoism, you become a still lake. So there is no movement whatsoever, but you're in stillness. Then you can actually connect to your intuition, God feeling, instinct, and feel the next move. And that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from thinking because thoughts are going to take you to this direction that direction that direction and this is what i say all the time when i'm coaching the most important thing is being in relationship with your thoughts and learning how to master your mind so that thoughts are not governing you but we're governing our thoughts ourselves 
Yeah. What is there is a specific is a science of uh, kinestology where yeah. can you can you explain that kinestology? a little? Kinestology. when you when you ask your body basically, but again, you know, we need to be beyond thoughts. You need to quiet down, still down, and then you know you, you will lift up your hand, and I would ask your body. Giancarlo, is it the right time to move right now? Do you need to be still impatient? You need to wait, and then, you know, your body. You will train your body to say, in, if it's down, yes; if it's up, no. And then your body would literally communicate to you, which is the sum of your collective consciousness. So you can also ask your body, which is a fun exercise to do. Do, do you do it? Yeah, when I, you know, when I'm in, in the in the case myself, when I'm beyond, I'm unable to quiet my mind. Because we're all struggling with that. We're overstimulated with technology. We're overstimulated with a lot of projects. We're almost multitasking. We have a lot of things going on. So a lot of people are struggling quieting their mind. I do too. So sometimes when I have that, then I would go back into my body and ask my body and then trust. It's the next step, trusting. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's like learning a new skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, learning the new skills, but it's also getting more mystical, getting more magical, getting more, you know, uh, multidimensional, getting more open up, understanding that, you know, we are in a specific evolutionary step, understanding that humanity is awakening, being courageous to move beyond conditioning of doing same old, same old, same old, and experimenting. You know, that's, that's the, you know, the excitement of these times for me, you know. I want to go. I want to try to go in a completely different direction. Of course, go ahead. What, what is your experience with um, with neo tantra or classical tantra, sacred sexuality? Did you look at that a little bit? Yes, I did. Yeah, and I was uh, in my mid thirties. I was uh, in relationship with a lot of people in my community. Community at that time, you know, they were in, in in tantra and sexuality and exploration of that. So I did as well explore that, and. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, what I figured out is that if we find a very powerful teacher who is 100% in integrity, then the white Tantra can work really, really well. But if people connect to the teaching or the teachers who are out of integrity or spiritual sexuality, then it's a, a slippery slope. But like any practice right yeah but it's much more yeah, for, yeah it can yeah. be more hurtful yeah mm, mm, can yeah. be can be re-traumatizing you yeah yeah you know, i mean you know the sexuality and you know especially masculine feminine energy i mean you, you know what i mean it's, it's, it's dangerous dangerous it's dangerous, yeah. it's dangerous yeah. you know i thought about that because when we're talking about you know letting the body you know they some people say that you know the third millennium is the millennium of the wisdom of the body mm-hmm. and and now we know that you know so it's not that we know now since the Nobel Prize. I say now we know, but we start to know that you know as below, so 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 as below, so above. So this idea that you know our body are you know divine vessel, and so now there is a new trend online of uh, female tantra teachers, neo tantra teachers, which start associating the um, some tantra practices like the um, uni. And anal dearmoring. I know about it, yeah. And and the f- interesting thing is that many many you know you see on Instagram now that the algorithm discovered that I'm interested, it sends me all these <laughs> tantra teachers, uh, neo tantra teachers. And the algorithm is clever, right? Yeah, super <laughs> clever. And 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 there is so many teachers that now connect neo tantra and dearmoring with financial success. 
Wow. So they would say things like, are you stuck with work? Come and do the Yoni the armoring, which sounds maybe just a marketing fad. But there was one episode which caught my attention. It was this lady that was working in fashion in Milan, and she was saying, now she's becoming a, a Tantra facilitator. And she was saying that, you know, all her friends, this Milanese uh, super ambitious uh, workaholic uh, wannabe fashion designer, mm-hmm. they were like so tired and exhausted because they would put like 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week to launch their line, a very competitive world in fashion. And and then when the host I was listening was saying, was telling their friends, listen, you need to relax and take care of yourself. You have to like, you know, look at some spiritual practice. They say, oh, no, 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 I don't have time for spiritual practice. First, I have to launch my, my brand, my collection, and then I do the spiritual work. And this lady was very articulate in explaining that they're never gonna do it because being in line with yourself is helpful, if not indispensable, for reaching your goal. And so I just think it's fascinating that now there's gonna be a generation of women that are going you know, through uh, 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 you know, vagina, deep tissue massage, to get the collection made. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, it's my, I, that's what I... And for men, sorry, yeah. and for men, it's through the butt. It's de-armoring the butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I, that's what I'm saying. We need to be open to experience new stuff all the time. And, you know, the arm... But for me, when you talk about it on a deeper level, I, you know, let's go to in the concept of, of chakras, right? So... You said, you know, that they're promoting it on Instagram. If the armor, it's linked to your financial success. Yeah. And the first chakra, which we call in spirituality, the Rook chakra, yeah. chakra it's linked to the material wealth and, and abundance. Interesting. And it's linked to the connection to the, you know, re- this world. And if you're stuck there, meaning that this the energy is not flowing, then you have issues. So I think that this practice probably moves the circulation of this chakra system for people who don't know what chakras are the the energy system within our body that move and circulate in in a in a toroidal field energy and when they move we have healthy body yeah. right we have yeah yeah so it's so true mm. it's so true and when when you see people that we say oh it's so like anal retentive mm. usually they're not very successful <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, it's always it needs to do what I need to do to you know move on in the end and block. Yeah, but you know it's I mean? so counterintuitive for a yeah. man to think about going getting like someone stranger putting a finger up your butt to unblock your financial blockage. It's yeah. quite counterintuitive. <laughs> it's good marketing, though. I think, I think you know people. <laughs> Uh, people will do what I need to do. I think that everybody, you know, needs to do the right thing. And also, you know, this is challenging us to go beyond our rigid beliefs. Yeah. I think that now we are in the time when we need to loosen up a little bit. What do we believe and how straightforward are we? And what are the programmings that the programs that we've all bought into? And if that works, why not? That's my my saying. You know, if that works, why not? What is the belief that is preventing you? Usually, people immediately think, "Oh, that means I'm gay." You know, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's you know that yeah, homophobia, co- co- yeah, yeah, cultural conditioning steps in. So then, you know, I think that we need to challenge ourselves to be open a little bit yeah. and, and experiment. Yeah. Have you done an anal armoring? No, <laughs> no, but maybe I will after this podcast. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so in a year. 
Yes. And on our third episode, we're going to check. Of course. I'll let you know. I'm going to be inspired, right? I'm good with material thing. I need to work on something else. Let's see. Exactly. <laughs> but so what? Um, what's on your mind these days? What's intrigue you? What turns you on? What, 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 what happened in the last year that you want to mention? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, what intrigues me right now, it's it's a global evolution and awakening of human consciousness. What I'm passionate about is seeing how are we unifying as a collective in awakening. That's my a point of, of attention at this moment in time. Awakening as a collective. Awakening yeah. as a collective. I think that we are at the pivotal times on evolution. And as you know, um, probably, and I don't know if audience know, I perceive and it has been scientifically proven, and now with this Nobel Prize as well, that human beings are collective consciousness. Yes, we're individual, but we're also part of the collective hive. So what you think, what I think, what everybody else thinks impacts each other. So it, you know, we are not just singular, isolated. So how we actually evolve is to these quantum leaps of collective consciousness. And, and in order for us to move from one paradigm to another paradigm, you know, we need to be awakening collective. And I think that the paradigm is shifting, you know, the, the financial paradigms is shifting. Through COVID, we saw what is happening with the health paradigm. The uh, economy is changing uh, rapidly as well. The What's going on with people understanding that there is a life be- beyond this planet, you know, understanding there are star beings or extraterrestrial life happening. So there's a lot of things that are currently in this weird, the wars, you know, that we have in, in, in attention right now. So all of that for me, it's facilitating collective conscious awareness and, and uh, awakening. So I am passionate about it. I'm passionate about every single human being right now understanding what is theirs to do in order for them to be able to awaken and become part of that collective consciousness awakening movement. And everybody has a, a part to play. You know, some people are teachers, some people are followers, some people are, you know, doing their jobs, you know, but everybody has a specific part to play. So for me, that's the attention right now. How do we awaken collective? But so how long have you been coaching for? Mm, 27 years now nearly, yeah. Yeah. But so how do you think is your coaching style evolved Mm -hmm. in relation to this? collective yeah. awakening. Yes, you know, how did it evolve is because when I started coaching, I was coaching individual, right? And every time somebody will come to me, I would focus on them, their issues, problems, challenges, and opportunities, and so on and so forth. And then when you coach enough people, you begin seeing that it's just the same pattern, same problem that everybody has. It's just a different phase, different name. But in the essence, it's the same issue that we're struggling with. And then you get into understanding that we are part of the collective and that each individual as part representative of collective has the same challenges in the matrix that we have created. So how my coaching changed is that instead of coaching individual, I'm coaching the issue, collective issue to the person who is in front of me. So let me give you an example. So if you have a mother or, or you know, let's say a businessman who is struggling with stress, Let's, let's do it like that, executive CEO in a, in, in, a, in a stressful job. Instead of coaching him only, when, we co- when I coach him, I connect to all of the other executives around the world in the same situation. I invite them, 
consciously to be present through the field through the field you know through the consciousness the connection remember we're all interconnected so you have to use your imagination to imagine the field to imagine the torus field and then they're online so as he is transforming everybody else is transforming through him and with him what is the benefit for him he has more energy more presence more compassion to himself and he understands he's not alone because we tend to personalize issues we tend this is only happening to me Everybody else is sorted. Everybody else that feels stress-free life, but I am the one who is mostly stressed of everybody that I know. So when you work with that individual through the through the collective lens, the benefit are he feels that he is part of that, and he feels that once when it shifts, that everybody everything else is transformed as a result of him shifting. And in the long run, when enough people are coached or going through the therapy or healing around the issue of stress, that issue simply disappears from collective because we healed it on a collective level, right? And then people in 100 years time will look back and say, wow, look at that, 100 years ago they were struggling with stress, how funny is that, you know, right? So it's not relevant any longer. Why this is not relevant is because we did the work now to transform, heal through the collective. Does it make sense? Yeah, it 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 does to me, but... um, you know, it's. I think mainstream people would not really understand very easily this idea of, um, you know, healing the collective through healing you. I mean, you need to have an understanding and a feeling of this interconnectivity of the field. But or, don't you think that a lot of people intuitively know that? You know, there is there is a there is a distinction between conscious knowing and subconscious knowing. I think that people who do you refer to as disconnected, on a certain level, they know subconsciously they're connected right what tesla was saying for example is that when people say we use only five percent of our brain and then 90 95 percent of our brain is not used he was saying to people 120 years ago nothing in nature is independent yeah exactly nothing in nature is independent nothing in nature doesn't have functionality nature doesn't create brain and then brain doesn't work right or we say we don't know what brain does for 95%. 95% of the brain is managing the relationship with the ether, managing relationship with collective field, managing the connection with collective field without us even knowing. So this is what I'm saying to you. People who you feel, uh, oh, how they're going to get this, they get it subconsciously. So it's about Activ- awakening yeah. and activating. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you agree that you know 95% of the world population they might feel it subconsciously, but they don't. They never activate it because you know when you lead st- through, when you lead your life through 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 ego, mm-hmm. which is ninety percent of the population, maybe not, maybe seventy. I don't know. Definitely, New York is like hundred percent. Then, then you know, like letting the ego rule your life is a recipe for awakening the subconscious feeling of connectivity. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, very interesting, very interesting. So we're getting close to 45 minutes mm. and I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, just, um, so you have a retreat coming, yeah, which is fully booked. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about the retreat, also because it involved my wife. I'm going to give her a little bit of publicity. Yeah, it's an it's infusion and collaboration. Uh, it's called Awakening the Soul Consciousness. This is exactly the topic we're talking about which is awakening of your soul consciousness, awakening of your essence, awakening of your connection to yourself and to the divine. 
we end up on the solution. Yeah, quite subconscious solution, exactly. And, and it's an infusion of different practitioners, you know, myself and Lara and Stephanie and Laor, and each and every practitioner has a kind of specific take on how to facilitate that connection. And what I love about this retreat is multidimensional. You don't have only one person, you have around six, seven, eight, nine people working together with the field to facilitate that connection and that awakening. Beautiful. Yeah, it's Beautiful. really lovely. It's it's very transformational, deeply uh, touching, even for the people that, you know, we call them in the movement normies or people who are not willing to wake up or people who are in business. You know I work with business as well. You yeah, call them how, sorry? Normies. Normies. <laughs> normies. What does it mean, sorry? Normality. Normal. Normies. It's like being normal all the time, not, yeah. not crossing the line to experience anything else. Normies. So normies, even when normies come, they, they transform. They, they transform. Again, I believe in humanity. And again, I believe that even normies and the most hardcore executive who is ego-driven sociopath just caring about money deep inside of himself or herself, he has a connection to, to the source. Yeah. It's just Be- about facilitating. Yeah. You know, when, when, I people, when I speak with people like you, which, of course, you're not very common, as you know, it's, that's where um, I, I become optimistic about the future. Because, you know, teaching like yours, the other day I did a two days with um, Gabor Compassion Equally Protocol with shamanism. So trauma-informed shamanic practice. Wow. Amazing. I mean, wow. I feel that there's all this powerful discipline that you mentioned that your retreat, you know, Stephanie, my wife does compassion inquiry and Laor does shamanism mm-hmm. and you do evolutionary coaching, a lot of more like yoga and embodiment. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that... Um, in addition to the skills of the practitioner, there is the magic of the group. Yes. There's an alchemy of the group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, so this one is fully booked. How do people um, find information and maybe reserve for next one? Yeah, probably we're gonna open next one in October, you know, and uh, two ways. One is going to tnmcoaching.com. It's tnmcoaching.com slash events, and then the retreat is there, and it's on, also on Avatara dot com yeah um, we'll put it on the show notes yeah. and also now instagram pages we we kind of promote it really heavily because it's uh it's it's a wonderful retreat once again you know please come and join because it really 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 benefits and you know usually you know what happens in this retreat i just want to make make sure that it, this is fun thing the groups are interesting you know how people end up being in retreat and who comes and mm-hmm. the synergy between people and what happens in between it's also wonderful Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. So if you had to recommend, let's say, one book and one movie for people that want, what's the title of the retreat again? Awake, Awa- so- Awakening the Soul Consciousness. Awakening the Soul Consciousness. What would you recommend? Can you please recommend one book and one movie to start that uh, exploration? The the book that I would recommend is... Uh, let me think in in relationship to the to the soul consciousness uh, the connection soul consciousness. with spirit uh, spiritual awakening um, we are connected i would recommend a very old book which is called bringers of the dawn bringers of the dawn by barbara my keys uh, i remember her we, yeah. we, we'll find we'll find, we'll find the bringers of the dawn yeah uh, that that's a good book to read in order to understand initiation of the soul consciousness and the uh, movie that I would recommend to watch is the Triangle of Sadness that I watched just a few days ago, which I really like. You know, watch that. Nice. Yeah, it's, mm. just, it's the same director than The Square, which yeah. was a great one. Yeah. Great, Zoran. We'll uh, we'll see you in twelve months. Yeah. 
uh, I will give you advice for your anal de armoring. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> and uh, good luck with everything. Thank, thank you for you your so time. Much. Thank you, thank you. Coca sunarai sunarai enti. 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 Coca sunarai sunarai enti.